Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Thank you, Papa. You know, it's such a good practice to deliberately give thanks, to be aware, you know, praise God, I've got a bed to sleep in tonight. I've got a roof over my head. And actually let yourself be grateful. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You know, as you begin to even make a list of things that you can be grateful for, it's a powerful, a powerful tool for helping you break out of the oppression that the enemy would try to surround you with. He loved to surround you and make you feel depressed and hopeless, but the Father knows the key, that as you start to give thanks, you remember the goodness of the Lord, you start to worship, and in His presence there's fullness of joy, hallelujah. So I'd love to provoke some of you, if you'd like to take time uh, to deliberately give thanks and to even make a list, start a list of things that you're grateful for. And when you're feeling a little bit down, go through the list and add to it. Hallelujah. I, uh, I so appreciate it. I asked Mark to share a couple of thoughts today just on the spur of the moment and how beautiful it is. We so enjoy the word of the Lord. And, um, and he was just talking about the door. On Friday night, um, I had a, a vision in worship and I was just, I was worshiping the Lord and I was at his knee just in awe and thanks for his mercy and his kindness, worshiping him for his goodness to us. Wow, Jesus, you're so incredibly, consistently, unrelentingly patient, unrelentingly kind, unrelentingly merciful. And I was just worshiping him and thanking him for his mercy. And my head was bowed, just thanking him in awe of his kindness for us. And he bent down in the vision, picked me up and put me on his lap, like a little child, just picked me up, put me on his lap and smiled at me with such a big smile. But he could see I was still a little bit overwhelmed and so he grabbed my head and just put put my head to his chest. And as I sat there with my head on his chest, suddenly in the vision, his chest opened up and it became like double doors that led into another room. And in this room, there were, it was like a dressing room. I was, I, I saw, I was being given some winter clothes, some clothes that were suitable for places like Russia or Norway. And then the scene changed and I was being given some celebration clothes, like party clothes, um, ball clothes. And I was taken into the throne room of God where the glory from the throne was overwhelming and people were celebrating and dancing and feasting. But as I looked around the room, I could see there was a lot more room for a lot more people. And suddenly that scene changed again. And then I was being given some Middle Eastern clothes. And I I realized what was going on by this stage. And I said, Lord, yes, I'll do whatever. I'll go wherever you say, thank you. So long as you open the door. And then as soon as I said that, I realized that that was really a strange thing for me to have said because I'd already come through the door. Jesus is the door. And access to every plan that he has to you comes from leaning on his chest. Comes from intimacy with him. And you know, in this season, as the Holy Spirit is moving and so much is happening, it's easy to get swept along by our brothers and sisters who are all pressing in and doing so well. 
But I really felt today in worship, the Lord wanting to, um, to, to speak to your heart, to say, it's so important that you know him for yourself. That even in this season, that you don't neglect you and him. There are some things that your friends can't help you with. There are, there are, you must come to that place where you have found him as your everything, that if I had nothing but you, I've got everything I need, hallelujah. And as you learn what it looks like to personally lean on the breast of Christ, he wants to open up to you the things of his heart and the provision to do all that you're called to do. Now afterwards, as I thought about it, I thought, wow, well, we're just now exploring what it looks like to um, get a voiceover in Russian to be able to um, get the program in as a voiceover in Russian around the world because very often when people see subtitles printed, they don't engage, but when they're here, they've got great technology now with um, voiceover technology in their languages. And so when we were at um, NRB a few weeks ago, we were look, talking to people who do voiceovers for Russian and people who do voiceovers for Arabic and Farsi as well. And that was fascinating to me. You know, we've got the, uh, and, and also Swedish TV. So the nations of the North and the Middle East and God was just reminding me, yes, yes, I'm already opening the door, hallelujah. So my encouragement to you is that in this time, you don't waste what's happening. As the Spirit of God is moving, it can feel like we're all moving forward. But if you will take the time to give yourself to worshiping Him personally as well, to give yourself to finding Him as your personal strength, as the one you foster personal intimacy with, then you will see God opened the double doors of favor beyond anything you've asked, hoped, or imagined because we are, as Christy prophesied so powerfully today, God is opening up this divine invitation of fulfillment, the fulfillment of dreams now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, hope, or imagine. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, that's the, that's the word of the Lord. And he's, uh, he's wanting you to listen, take note, and respond. Amen? Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. As I think about him, I just want to worship some more. Our magnificent God. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are our healer. Thank you that you're our redeemer. Thank you, Jesus, that you came and you died and you rose again. Lord, we come to give you worship. Thanks and praise and glory. God, I thank you. Jesus, you who was and is and is to come, God, we give you glory. Father, I thank you. Lord, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I've been looking recently at the book of Isaiah. It's a fascinating book, not for the faint-hearted, but it's, a, it's an amazing book, really, because it's 66 chapters, and we have 66 books in the Bible. It's like a little mini Bible in the middle of the Bible. And uh, the first 39 chapters really could correlate to the, the Old Testament, and then 40 to 66 could be... Um, could be seen as, as 
uh, revealing the new covenant. And then all the way through the book of Isaiah is references to the promised Messiah, hallelujah. And really to read the promises about the Messiah in the book of Isaiah, you know, so long before he was ever born, is, is astonishing to see the meticulous detail that God goes to and the, the, the desire in his heart to see the Redeemer come. I, I was talking to Tom as I was reading Isaiah recently and I said, can you imagine prophesying for hundreds of years in advance? And, uh, and, but this is what happened uh, with Isaiah. We started the other night in Isaiah 53. We can have another quick look at that. If you'd like to turn to Isaiah 53, let's start at verse four. It says this, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. They made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He's put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Hallelujah. If you want to have a look um, back in Isaiah chapter 9, there's another amazing reference. Has anyone seen Handel's Messiah, a performance of Handel's Messiah? I, I love it. I so enjoy it. Such a glorious oratorio. But it's, it's basically uh, the prophecies of Isaiah, the declarations of Isaiah about the Messiah. Hallelujah. Let's have a look at this. Verse six, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want to talk to you today about the Prince of Peace. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. It's a fourfold atonement. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. It's the fullness of the, the gospel, the, the reason that the blood of Jesus is so far superior to the blood of bulls or goats, hallelujah. He was the Passover lamb that, that did far more than just the Passover could do. The Passover, the blood was put on the, on the doorposts and when, Jesus, when, the, when the angel came over 
and they saw the blood. They didn't look at who was inside, they just looked at the blood and they passed over, hallelujah. But now, Jesus comes not just to cover us and give us a get out of jail free card. He comes to take away our sin. He comes to remove our iniquity, and iniquity and, sin, and transgression are two different words in the Hebrew. Transgressions meaning sin, iniquity meaning crookedness, hallelujah. He came and he took away, he made the crooked places straight and the rough places plain, hallelujah. That means he made us new on the inside. We're not just covered on the doorposts of our heart. We are actually transformed from the inside out. Hallelujah. That's why the Passover lamb no longer has to be sacrificed for us because Jesus did it in the most perfect, glorious way forever for us. Hallelujah. Before you or I were ever born, he was judged for every sin you would ever commit. And he offers you forgiveness, mercy, if you'll open your heart and you'll receive the Messiah. It's such a glorious story, the good news of the gospel. But as I look at the book of Isaiah, I am, I'm overwhelmed and I realize, wow, Jesus, this promise was so radical and so glorious. All the way through the book of Isaiah, you see judgment for sin and how horrible it is. And yet you hear the, the promise of the Redeemer, the one who would come and make a way that your sins would not be remembered anymore. Hallelujah. It says in Isaiah 43, verse 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. I will not remember your sins. That means he will not ever remember your sins. He's not waiting till the day of judgment to actually dredge up the sea of forgetfulness and pull them all out and put them in your face and embarrass you in front of everybody. Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17. I love this in the Amplified. It says here, the Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a savior who saves, he will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction and in his love, he will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. He'll exalt over you with singing. I love that. He'll make no mention of your past sins or even recall them. It's astonishing because as I was sharing, as I take communion myself personally and I look at the cup and the, the color of the, the grape juice and realize it's the color of blood, blood that was poured out for everything that I've done wrong. And as I acknowledge my sin, God, again, here I am today. I shouldn't have done that. I thank you, I'm sorry. But you were judged, you were judged for that. There's judgments happened for that. And I'm so grateful that instead of having to drink the cup of judgment, the blood, I get to drink wine, the wine of celebration, the wine of the joy of a wedding, knowing that you have taken away and defeated everything about me that was crooked. You were judged and punished so that I don't have to be. And you offer me the joy of being joined to you. Hallelujah. 
Wine's a celebration drink, praise the Lord. And it overwhelms me, it undoes me as I think about it, oh God. 1 John 4 says this, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Hallelujah. I wanna read that to you in the Passion Translation. I think it brings it out really powerfully. First John chapter four. God is love, verse 16. Those who are living in love are living in God and God lives through them. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Love never brings fear for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks consistently, constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. He's saying here that on the day of judgment, you and I don't have to be afraid that suddenly we're going to be shamed, suddenly we're going to be punished, that the day of reckoning comes and we're gonna have to face everything we've done wrong. People believe that, they believe that now that I'm saved, everything I've done wrong is now gonna be exposed on the day of judgment. But that's not what this scripture says. He says that we can have confidence on the day of judgment. In fact, we can boldly come without fear of, oh, I wonder what's gonna happen, what's gonna be said. Sometimes people have even had the attitude, well, Okay, I won't think about it, I won't think about it, I won't think about it, but deep inside they have this nagging fear that somehow one day the ax is gonna fall. One day they're gonna have to face the music. But the good news of the gospel is that on the day of judgment, if you've received Jesus, the Messiah, as the one who's taken your sin and your iniquity, you can humbly come before him in holy boldness, knowing that the blood of Jesus Christ has redeemed you, taken away your sin, and it will not ever be recalled or remembered. Hallelujah. We love because he first loved us, hallelujah. The magnificent good news of the gospel I do a, quite a bit of traveling, and um, when I do travel, I, I check into the hotel. I like to unpack my bag. Generally not enough hangers in the closet for my liking, but I like to unpack my bag, hang my shirts up, put things in the drawers, and unpack my suitcase so that I can put it away and I don't have to, even if it's just for a day or two, live out of a suitcase. But you know, there's another sort of unpacking that I need to do in order to have supernatural peace. It helps me as I'm unpacking in a hotel room to have some sense of order. 
and be able to find things easily. But when I unpack my heart, God wants to bring in divine order and supernatural peace. You see, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. He was chastised so that we could live in perfect peace. He's the Prince of Peace. When he was announced at his birth, glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. The world is searching for peace. Everybody's looking for peace. But we as believers have been given an invitation to live in supernatural perfect peace all the time. But many of us don't enjoy it. Many of us don't live free from fear. Because somehow in the corners of our heart, there's anxieties, there's worries, there's concerns, there's heaviness, there's grief, there's sorrows, there's regrets, there's fears, there's concerns. The good news is though, God made a way for that to be dealt with. He doesn't want you living with these things, cluttering, cluttering up the space that is to be filled with perfect peace. The Bible says that in his presence there is fullness of joy. That is absolute fullness. No room for anything else. Perfect peace is our inheritance. That is perfect. That's not interrupted, not a little bit of peace, but perfect peace. What does it look like to feel utterly peaceful and completely unafraid? Well, it's possible. It's a supernatural invitation to a state of being that isn't something you achieve through spiritual discipline like they, they try to achieve nirvana. God wants us to experience personal peace by simply humbling ourselves and believing what he says, unpacking the anxieties and the worries so that we can let his peace flood us. He tells us how we can have peace rule in our hearts. If you wanna have a look at the second most highlighted verse in the Bible, apparently, it's Philippians chapter four. It's a powerful passage of scripture. And people read it and they go, yes, 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 yes. But you know, unless we actually apply what we hear, wisdom without application is simply knowledge that puffs up. But when you start to apply the wisdom that you have, you become rich, you become one who begins to engage in life and life more abundant, hallelujah. Philippians chapter four, let's have a look at it. I love this. Let's start at verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. What's he saying? Be deliberately happy. Be intentional with your joy. Start giving thanks. God, I'm rejoicing that today I have been, I have been able to eat um, good food. I've been able to uh, have a good sleep in a safe place without fear. I thank you, Lord, that you've given me family. You've given me a church I can gather freely without fear of persecution or prosecution because I live in a free country. As you begin to thank him, give thanks and begin to rejoice in the Lord, the Lord wants you to intentionally live in joy. 
Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's the promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He tells us that the key to living in peace is unpacking. In that as you begin, and this is what I do at nighttime as I take the bread, I remember God, you bore my griefs, you bore my sorrows. You said, cast my cares on you because you care for me. Okay, so I'm gonna intentionally unpack the things that are rolling around in my mind, in my soul, even in my subconscious. I'm gonna let them surface because I don't want them taking up space that you've designed to fill with perfect peace. So God, what am I, what's bothering me? Oh. God, we need help. God, I need, I, need, I need your provision for a building. I don't know where it's gonna come from. You know, God, we're growing every week. You know we need a building. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have to be concerned about that. I'm asking you to provide for us. Thank you for that. I cast the care of that on you. Thank you. With thanksgiving, I'm asking him for his help. Then I'm thanking him for it. And then I deliberately see the care of that being put on his body. I cast that care on you because you care for me. Thank you, God. And now I can let peace flood that space. What else is bothering me? Oh, God. Oh, I'm feeling for this person walking through a really difficult time. God, I'm asking that you'd bring breakthrough for them. Lord, I pray that right now you'd comfort them. Lord, I thank you for their healing. God, I thank you that as I ask you, you hear me. I know you hear me when I ask. Thank you, Lord, that by your stripes they're healed. Thank you, Lord, for their deliverance, for their breakthrough. And Lord, I cast the care of that on you, on you now because you care for me. And I thank you, Lord, you've heard my prayer for them. Father, I want to see this relative come to Christ. Oh God, your desire is that none should perish, but all would have everlasting life. Lord, I deeply desire that these ones I love would come to know you as Savior. So Father, I'm asking today, Lord, that you'd move in their hearts, that they'd be saved, God. I'm asking Holy Spirit, you'd turn their hearts towards you, that you'd release faith in their hearts to embrace you as Savior and Lord. And Lord, I cast the care and the worry of that on you. I see it on your body. Thank you, Jesus. And I do this, I unpack. Because if you don't unpack, the things just stay there, taking up room in your heart, and you don't experience the fullness of peace that you were called to live in. God's so longing to be your savior in every area of your life, to take away your sin, to take away everything that's crooked about you and give you power to walk as someone that is fully kind, fully good, fully patient, long-suffering, gentle, meek. That's who you are now. He wants to remind you of the truth of your identity. But he also wants you to walk in perfect peace. Perfect peace, not carrying anything for any length of time. And you know, the next day, I don't stop praying for those people, but I cast the care of it on him. The next day, God, I feel feel a concern for this. I ask you, I thank you for it, and I, I cast the care of that on you. If I have any sickness afflicting my body, Father, I thank you. Surely you bore it for me. By your stripes I was healed. I see that sickness on your body. Hallelujah. You can take it like medicine. 
And I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you've borne my sickness. And I thank you that my sickness is on you, that, that it doesn't belong to me. You've made me clean. You've made me whole. Hallelujah. Thank you for the redeeming power of your body. And do the same thing with the cup as I take his blood, uh, the, the blood of the new covenant poured out for me that's been turned into wine, hallelujah, so that I don't have to receive judgment. I get astonished at the kindness of God and the patience that he never runs out of patience with me. He doesn't get frustrated and go, again, really, again? Haven't you, like, I, you, did, you did that again? He doesn't sit there and, and get annoyed with me. He smiles and he says, yes, already paid for. And as I acknowledge it and I bring it to him, I cast the weight, the guilt of that on him and say, thank you, Lord, you paid for that. Thank you, Jesus, you were judged for that before I ever did it. And oh God, I give you worship. Thank you, Jesus. And as I do that, I don't think, well, that's great. I got off scot-free, I can just live however I like. My heart is broken with delight and awe and, and, and wonder and humility at thinking, God, you were judged for that sin. You were judged for that bad thought. Jesus, I'm so grateful. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given me your nature and you've given me power and that anything I'm tempted with, God, you have something so much better for me in every area that the enemy offers sin. So Father, thank you. Oh God, I'm so grateful to be in your body. I'm so grateful to be redeemed. I'm so grateful for the power of the cross and the power of your promise, Lord, that, that you, you make all things work together for good and that you have something far better for me in store for everything that the enemy would try to offer, hallelujah. And as we do this process of unpacking, God's there saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to fully enjoy all that I've laid on the table for you. What I've laid on the table for you is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost all the fruits of the Spirit, everything you'd ever need to do, everything I've ever dropped in your heart to begin to dream about and far exceedingly more, hallelujah. It's all there, but we've gotta get up and begin to take it and say, thank you, Jesus, I receive it. I receive you as Prince of Peace today in my heart. I receive you as Savior and Lord. I thank you, Jesus, that I don't have to be afraid of ever being judged for those sins because you have taken them away. You will never recall them. And I thank you that today you've given me power, Lord, to be as you are in the world. Thank you, Lord, that when I look at you and you look at me, I see you as holy and you see me as holy. And Father, I thank you, Lord, I come into agreement with how you see me. And when I start to believe what he sees about me, I can start to reflect who I believe myself to be to everybody else. When I start to interact with people, instead of interacting them with them with this sort of sense of fear and shame and, and guilt and I'm not quite there but I'm trying to be a good Christian, it doesn't give off the aroma of perfect peace that the whole world is looking for. But when I come with a, a, a humble confidence, knowing I've been forgiven, 
I am loved, I am redeemed, I am so cherished that he has forgiven every sin and he never runs out of patience for me. My father, this one who loves me, who gave his own son for me, who today looks at me and loves me and says, in eternity, I'm gonna celebrate with you. And when I see you, you have nothing to fear because I've taken care of it all. When I'm interacting with somebody knowing that, then they will see in my eyes something that they want. God says that we are living epistles read by all men. What that means is you are the only Bible that some people are, are gonna read until they get saved. And that they need to see what is true, what is real. Christians should be those that are walking around with absolute peace, absolute confidence, free from fear, free from worry, free from anxiety, walking around with absolute joy, hallelujah, with a, with a knowledge that now, as he is, so am I in this world. Therefore, I am really kind. I am kind through and through because as he is, so am I. I am merciful, I forgive, hallelujah. I am patience personified. It's not a, a, an award, a definition describing my behavior. It's a identification of my true nature now as a daughter of Christ, hallelujah. As a daughter of the most high God, one who is redeemed part of the body of Christ. Light can have no fellowship with darkness. So God came as a man and he laid down his life. He died and he rose again so that you and I could be made compatible to be joined to him as his bride, as his body. God can't be joined to anything less than perfectly holy. So the sacrifice, the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus was given to make you utterly holy, completely good, totally righteous. The just will live by faith. Will you have faith in the sacrifice of Jesus today? Will you have faith in this glorious good news that's better than you feel like you deserve? It takes faith to walk in the new covenant because you can't earn the capacity, the qualification to be righteous, to be joined to God. You have to humble yourself and receive what you can have no part in earning. The Father longs that you'd put your faith in Him and say, yes, Jesus, I need mercy, I need forgiveness. The wages of sin is death, but you died for me, so I receive with faith and thanksgiving the gift of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection. I give you my sin and I receive in exchange your mercy. I give you my life and I receive in exchange your eternal life, hallelujah. God wants you to live in perfect peace. He wants you to live in perfect joy, free from the fear of ever being judged, hallelujah. Father, we say thank you. Lord, you're so faithful. Lord, I pray that you would give us such a revelation of eternity. And Lord, that you would help us to be people who would apply what we know. 
that you'd help us unpack the cares of our lives, Lord, daily, that we would cast our cares on you, that we would not be anxious for anything. We wouldn't let it roll around and stay in the suitcase of our heart, but God, that we would unpack it and give it to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we release the cares to you. And I ask, Lord, that you'd encourage each one personally, individually, in their own way each day to unpack with you and receive with thanksgiving your perfect peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, I, um, I really believe that that word about you and him personally is a word from the Lord for you today. God's not looking for you to be some superhero Christian, perhaps, that you might have in your head that, you know, I need to pray four or five hours every day. If you would just take a little time every day, rather than a lot of time one day and no time for a long time, if you just take a little time every day to do some personal unpacking, it'd be so healthy for your body. It'd be so healthy for your heart. And it would be so much better for everyone you interact with, family or colleagues, because they will see and experience righteousness, peace, and joy. Instead of insecurity, fear, and condemnation. Instead of interacting with people to get from them what you think you need. You can overflow to them out of the abundance of your heart, which is full of peace, full of joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I long for you to live in supernatural peace. It's a fight. The enemy wants to fill your heart and clutter it up. But God wants you to unpack so that he can overwhelm you and fill you with supernatural joy, supernatural peace. So Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.